A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowd, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slaves said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No. If you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, First, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. He proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when full grown, it is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He spoke to them only in parables to fulfill what had been said through the prophets. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what is lain hidden from the foundation of the world. Then dismissing the crowds, he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed, the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The Gospel of the Lord. Today our blessed Lord continues in this reflections upon the kingdom of heaven with a triplet of parables. We hear over and over the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. But we keep talking about the things, what it is like, but really what is the kingdom of heaven? It's a question that's often asked, or at least it ought to be. Jesus, at the beginning of his kingdom, at the beginning of his ministry, goes out and proclaims that the kingdom of God is near, that the kingdom of God is among you even. The disciples go out to proclaim the same. And here Jesus is explicitly talking about the kingdom of heaven and what it is like. And then he ends with something that should catch our attention. Whoever has ears ought to hear. In other words, this is important. Pay attention to these things. So we listen to this. 
we reflect upon the reality of what is the kingdom of heaven. In short, putting all the pieces together, the kingdom of heaven is essentially a community enlivened by Christ. A people whose life is nourished by Jesus, whose life is formed and shaped and oriented by Jesus. A community of people or person who allows God to produce good things in them. In short, the kingdom of heaven is really Christ himself present in our midst. This is the church. The church is the kingdom of heaven. It is the body of Christ, a community of believers, people who have been baptized into union with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are the kingdom of heaven in so many words. And three attributes are given to us today, which are to be reminders to us of who and what the church is, but also who and what we ought to be. The three parables provide us these three characteristics that the kingdom of heaven, the church, is patient, universal, and powerful. First, it is patient. Our Lord tells the parable of the sower in the field and the weeds that spring up in the midst of it. Certainly there is confusion. Isn't the body of Christ supposed to be pure and perfect? If all of us have been baptized, shouldn't we just be in perfect communion all the time? Shouldn't there be perfect harmony among us? There should never be divisions. There should never be wickedness. There should never be sin. This is what the slave people come to tell their master. There are weeds mixed in with the wheat. We need to get rid of them now. And the master says, no, wait. The master is patient. Christ is patient. It's the recognition that in the kingdom of heaven, in the body of Christ in the church, there are some who in fact will prove themselves on the last day and sit standing before the Lord to be weeds. They bear no fruit. They just take up the nourishment and the soil. They've got nice greenery, but they don't bear spiritual fruit. But the Lord is patient, as always. The reality is sometimes in our world, a temptation can be made to look at another person in, this, in, in, the particular, in a particular moment and to be able to judge them as lost, as hopeless, as not having a spot here. And this is what Jesus is encouraging us to, is to be patient in our judgment. Indeed, to refrain from judging a person as lost or saved, ultimately, as hopeless or as being hope-filled. Jesus shows us many times throughout the history of the church individuals who seemed to be weeds. But as time allowed them to mature, they proved themselves to be wheat. It's not as if they changed entirely, but the Lord was quietly working within them. Because here's the wonderful thing. Although a weed can't change and become wheat, we can change from sin to holiness. We can become holy by God's grace. 
We have as a wonderful example of this, the person of St. Paul, whose readings we read at just about every Mass on Sundays because his letters are so prolific. We have St. Paul who stands there and was rejoicing at the killing of Christians, rejoicing his persecution of the church. It was a badge of honor to sit and to applaud the death of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. That man, in so many ways, could easily have been deemed hopeless. And even when he might have converted, it would have been easy for everyone in the Christian community to say, thanks, but we remember what you did. You don't have a seat here. But the church did not do these things. And their patience, allowing the Lord to work in the heart of Paul, they were willing to receive him and to reserve judgment to God and to God alone. And we have St. Paul today, one of the greatest evangelizers the world has ever seen. Our part is not to ultimately judge a soul as lost or as saved. That is for God and for God alone. Unless we think that that lets everybody off the hook, there will be a judgment. Jesus is very clear about that. There will be some on the last day who are deemed weeds, who are fit only for the fire. But there will also be the righteous, who are the wheat, the fruitful ones who have received the life of Christ within them and borne good spiritual fruit for the building up of themselves, of the church, and of the world. Our part is to labor patiently, trusting in God. Not immediately to jump to conclusions, but to persevere in prayer and to trust that the Lord's plan is perfect in itself. Very often we would be eager to go and to pluck up the weeds immediately in whatever form that would look for us concretely. But Christ says, wait, be patient, trust me. The second thing about the church is the church is universal. Jesus starts with the reality of a mustard seed, a very tiny seed, that when planted in the soil allows itself to die, but increases dramatically to become a place where all kinds of birds from the sky can come and make their home. And this is the church in a beautiful way, seen especially in the early days of the church. We're beginning with just a handful of people. They were filled with the life of God and then went out to share that good news of the gospel. And today we number well over 2 billion, 2 billion Catholic souls in the world today, not counting the billions who have gone before us, our ancestors in faith. Indeed, the small mustard seed that was the church to begin with has become something incredibly large, such that every single place in the world, every country in the world, has the ability to be, to be a bird that comes and rests in the big tree that is the church. In other words, there's not a single soul in the world who does not, if they are willing to follow Jesus Christ, belong here. Everyone belongs here in the church. Sometimes we like to just allow people to be wherever they are, whatever religion you are, lack of religion you are, that's fine and good. What works for you works for you. But the simple reality is that we have received the life of Jesus Christ, and that, could sh that should show us that we have been recipients of the better part, just like Mary Magdalene and the gospel. 
We know what it is to come and to receive the life of Jesus. And why would we not want others to come and do the same? This is the call for us. To welcome others into the body of Christ, the church. To invite them to come and to find a place of rest. To come and meet Jesus. To find his peace. To find his mercy. To find his flesh and blood that give us life. All of us are called. Every last soul called to enter into the body of Christ, the Catholic Church. It is a home for every kind of bird. And it's for us to welcome them. Lastly, the kingdom of heaven, the church, is powerful. Sometimes when we think of power, we think of earthly power who come to wield over them. We think of authoritarian and totalitarian governments who come just with an iron fist to mandate from on high how things ought to be. But the simple reality is the power of the church is found not in the things that we do, but in the things that God does. And the most powerful thing that happens with God is that he changes hearts. Because we can do all kinds of wonderful things in the world, but God alone can touch hearts. And he does it frequently by the power of his grace working through the church. A little bit of yeast sprinkled allows a whole batch of bread to be leavened. Just a touch of yeast. And the same ought to be true of the church. Because we have the life of God in us. Because we have the Eucharist. Because we have Jesus here. That we have God allowing himself to be brought into our very bodies. That it's something that allows us to shine like the gospel tells us. To shine like the sun. To radiate Christ. And to go out into the world and to simply be that radiation therapy for the world. Simply to go and to be Christians in the world is to change the world. We don't have to necessarily do anything special. We just have to be who we are. To be Christians. To be bearers of Christ. And the world will change. And it will change oftentimes in dramatic fashions. I'm reminded of the number of accounts of the saints who simply by witnessing to Christ brought other people to know Christ and to be even willing to lay down their life for him. Saints who brought, were brought before courts and councils and kings to be able to present a witness of why they believe what they believe. And simply in professing the faith, Enlivened by the Holy Spirit, they profess the faith in countless numbers of listeners who are present are converted on the spot. They're convinced, they're convicted because the Lord speaks through people to be able to touch hearts. Martyrs of the church who for love of Jesus endured incredible sufferings, but their sufferings bore even more fruit because people saw that this Jesus is real. This Jesus truly has power to save. Because these people don't fear death. Many times they welcomed it because they knew the prize that awaited them. The church, the kingdom of heaven, witness to Jesus Christ, 
It's powerful. More often than not, we don't even have to say it. We just simply have to be Christians. And it will touch hearts all around. The kingdom of heaven, Mother Church, and us are to be patient, universal in scope, and powerful. Not because of anything we've done, but simply because Jesus Christ is alive and at work in us. I've mentioned times before, the professor at the seminary, one of our priests, who encouraged us to remember the prayer that Jesus taught us, and especially the parts where we say, Thy kingdom come, it means me. Thy kingdom come in me. Your kingdom be present, Lord. The kingdom of heaven that is life, that is supposed to be transformative to the world, that is supposed to be all of these things that change around me. Thy kingdom come in me. To to open one's own heart to the life of Jesus Christ. And then simply go be in the world. To go and not to judge. To pray and to trust. To call people to faith. To let Christ do what Christ desires to do in and through you. To touch other hearts. This is what the kingdom of heaven is. And it is in our midst. And Jesus says it's not only in our midst. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Right? Thy kingdom come in me. To open our hearts to Christ. To allow him to come and to live within us. He who already lives in his tabernacle. Dwelling among us. To do the same within our flesh. To fill us with his life. That as we go forth. We might be able to do these things. And in truly to be. The kingdom of heaven in the midst of the world. A world that needs light. A world that needs Christ. Let us place our trust in him. Let us open our hearts to him. And let us go forth. And to proclaim to all the world. Whether by word or by deed. The kingdom of heaven is at hand.